Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC. This podcast was recorded on July 19, 2021. Please listen to the end for important disclaimers. This week in the podcast, we take a look at what we learned from week one of 2Q reporting season. The two big things you need to know. First, 2Q reporting season has gotten off to a sour start, but it's too early to gauge the overall tone in our opinion. And second, COVID discussions have not disappeared from management commentary, which may contribute to additional pressure on the reflation trade near term. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other major providers. Now let's jump into some of the details. We'll start with a sour start to reporting season. Now the headline stats are admittedly still looking pretty good. Beat rates remain strong, with 92% of companies that have reported so far beating the sell-side consensus on both EPS and revenues. That's inclusive of both last week's results and the early reporters. Additionally, over the past week, the bottom-up S&P 500 EPS forecast that's embedded in sell-side consensus estimates did inch up another buck to 193. But the stock price reactions speak for themselves with just 33% of last week's S&P 500 reporters seeing their share prices move up 1% or more in the one-day trading session that followed results. That stat is much weaker than the early reporters, where 56% moved up 1% or more. Last week's results were dominated by financials, making it tough to tell whether the poor price action is a sign of things to come. And as we've discussed before, the financials were already a bit wounded coming in, with the pace of upward EPS estimate revisions for the sector staging a significant retreat in recent weeks, something that tends to happen when the 10-year Treasury yield is falling. It's worth noting that while the percent of financials beating consensus on earnings remains high at 86%, it's also on track to come in a little below 1Q's level of 94%. When we take a step back and analyze management commentary, inclusive of both the early reporters and the results that came in last week, a few trends may be starting to form. First, outlook and demand commentary do still skew positive. Last week, one thing that jumped out to us about the banks was that even though loan growth remains quite weak, general descriptions of the consumer do remain quite strong. Second, guidance trends are more nuanced. By our count, 13 companies have raised guidance while five have reaffirmed and five lowered guidance or haven't provided it. We continue to get the impression that guidance increases are driven by robust first half results rather than increased optimism on the second half. Third, the tone around cash deployment, particularly buybacks and dividends, remains quite strong. That's particularly true for the financials that reported last week. Fourth, the margin commentary has been rather mixed so far. By our count, 19 companies have been in the expansion camp, while 15 have referred to flat or contracting margins. This is playing into the worst fears of the buy side, as expectations for margins had fallen sharply in our late June investor survey. I'll wrap up with commentary on COVID that we've seen in our review of earnings call transcripts so far. As we read through the earnings call transcripts from last week, one thing that jumped out to us was that COVID discussions are still happening in a rather significant way on earnings calls. We think this could add to pressure on the reflation trade in the near term. A few of the comments that really stuck out to me were, an industrial company highlighted how 9.5% of its workforce had contracted the virus over the past five quarters. 
One of the big investment banks expressed worry that the Delta variant, should it spread further, could lead to policy actions that could slow economic growth. A business services company described the Delta variant as a wild card they would not try to predict. A large consumer staples company highlighted the challenges that COVID continues to cause globally, particularly in non-US end markets. All of this served as a reminder that while the COVID backdrop has improved dramatically, the situation does continue to inject a high degree of uncertainty in the equity market outlook going forward and could lead to some unevenness in the recovery. This caused us to revisit the relationship between the performance of the reflation trade with COVID trends. We were surprised to see the extent to which the recent shifts in stock market leadership from small to large value to growth and cyclical to secular have coincided with the latest deterioration in domestic COVID case trends. Large caps growth and secular growth oriented sectors all began to outperform small caps, value and cyclical sectors again when the trend in domestic case counts began to deteriorate. This is just another issue we can add to the list of reasons why the reflation trade has suddenly stumbled hard. The prospect of a less accommodative Fed sooner than initially anticipated, the decline in 10-year yields that has completely befuddled the equity market, the possibility of slightly below average GDP growth in 2023 that's now being reflected in current consensus estimates, and the loss of dominance by the value trade on both ETF flows and upward earnings revisions are just a few of the things we've been highlighting in recent weeks that help explain why the reflation trade has suddenly come under pressure so quickly of late. We think the uptick in COVID cases in the U.S. and emerging concerns about the Delta variant also deserve to be on that list of culprits, given the commentary we've seen from corporates over the past week and the relationship to the key positioning trades within the U.S. equity market that has emerged again. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and please reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.